Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Seeking What They Sought. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Leiter, and I'm here to say to you, welcome to the party. All right, all right. So before we dive right in, I wanted to pause for a minute and say, Thank you guys so much for your continued support and for all of your patience waiting for season two. We know it's been a long time coming. Um, If you listened to our last episode, you will have heard it's been sort of a chaotic year for a number of us, but we are back on track and we are so excited for what is coming. We got a ton of episodes in the pipeline and uh, we're stoked to share them with you guys, including this next one. So in this episode, Sean and I, we actually take a minute to sit down and discuss what it was like for us growing up as pastor's kids. We uh, talk about a Barna article. Uh, We even try and get to the bottom of what is it that causes some pastor's kids to actually try and distance themselves as far as they can away from religion. And what is it that causes some of us to stay? We hope you'll enjoy this conversation and um, thank you so much for listening once again. Well, all right, Sean, uh, here we are again. Looks like it's just the two of us this time. Just the two of us. Why is that? Where is Jesse and Eric? Just the way I like it. Uh, (laughs) uh, So Jesse's gone. He's on a trip right now. So he wasn't able to record with us. And I don't know where Eric is. He's probably eating chicken somewhere in a closet. I'm pretty sure his family's in town. I think that's all it is. Oh, okay. And I thought we were family, but uh, I guess that's over now. We're uh, just never going to see him again. Exactly. So that's no big deal. We don't really need him. It's not like he does anything around here. He's he's the least important person. Yeah, least important by far. Exactly. So, uh, Eric, if you're listening to this, um, do your job. (laughs) Perfecto. (laughs) But yeah, it's the two of us this time. And uh, and we're both actually on uh, Thanksgiving break because I'm a teacher and Anthony, you are a student right now. So we both get some time off right now. We are ruled by the academic calendar. It's uh, both a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing because there's set breaks, mm-hmm. and it's a bad thing because there's set breaks, which mean there are no flexible dates to go and do something. So if there's mm-hmm. something exciting in September, forget about it. Exactly. Nothing to do. It has to be summer. Unless you just want to basic- bail. Yeah. You could know, always just not show up for class. Well, I mean, you can. <laughs> well, I, I can't do that. That's true. You'd be fired. Yeah. <laughs> It just, Where's where Mr. Are Lenoff you, today? Are you sick? Are you injured? I just didn't want to come in. Uh, I was at a Weird Al Yankovic concert today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did a collab with Kenny G. Oh, oh Anthony. Oh, oh. I literally just listened to, before we got on, Yeah. you sent me Kanye West's new album. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, that's like a whole... I feel like our group could have a conversation just on that. That, that could be an episode. Uh, that's, yeah. That needs to go with the music, uh, the music conversation. That's but that's true. That's for a later time, but... Uh, you sent me the one where he has literally, uh, he collaborates with Kenny G. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kanye West mm-hmm. and Kenny G. And I just listened to that. And I was like, this is weird. But then he comes in and I'm like, this is actually somehow good. How does this work to get? I never imagined it would sound okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, still digesting that. But I listened to that right before. Cause that was, uh, something you sent me and I was just it's kind of some, amazed by that. It somehow just works. And as soon as I heard that song, I was like, I have to send this to Sean. He doesn't listen to Kanye, but he listens <laughs> to Kenny. So the other K, the other popular K, the other popular K. And for those who are listening, Sean actually is a pretty great saxophone player himself. So I always send him anything sax related. 
uh, that's that's probably forty percent of our friendship is just saxophones, sax related content. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So um, I'm trying to pull up my. Uh, I'm being like a grandpa right now. I'm trying to pull up my web browser, but it's not popping up <laughs> properly. Like, wait, so, so got- do I do I open my email to get to Google? <laughs> yeah, this is this is great. Okay, okay, you ready? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a list of people. This is trivia time, Anthony. I'm ready. And uh, this this list of people, <clears throat> you need to tell me what's uh, the the common theme with all of these people. Okay, what's in common okay. between all these these people? Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Denzel Washington, uh, uh. Alice Cooper. Oh, that's hard. Yikes. Katy Perry, Daniel Tosh from Tosh.0, oh, wow. Martin Luther King Jr., mm. Jessica Simpson, oh my word. Malcolm X, and Vincent Van Gogh. What do those people have in com- common? That's the weirdest group of people. Yep. There's, uh, there's not a lot in common between those, those people, but there is one thing. Okay, do you have any guess? Denzel Washington and Jessica Simpson through I mean you could say money like <laughs> riches like all of them Wait wait Denzel Washington and Jessica Simpson threw you off but Vincent Van Gogh didn't <laughs> That's true <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh has less to do with Jessica Simpson than anyone ever <laughs> uh, Wow that's I amazing. mean him and Katy Perry are kind of you know it makes sense Right but Jessica Simpson that's a stretch Yeah Jessica yeah it's just too much Uh Anthony they're all pastors kids Dang wow yeah, that's, that's wild. And actually. and uh, I I just thought um, you know as weird as that list is, it's kind of interesting. So, but I wanted to bring up since it's just me and you today, and mm-hmm. Jesse and Eric aren't here now. If you don't know and you're listening to this, Anthony and I are pastors' kids. Right. I think we and said that on here. Maybe we might have, and I don't <clears throat> know if we've ever discussed it. Right. Uh, if we did, it was very brief. But um, I just thought it'd be interesting. This is not going to be a full episode. Just really fast. Just like a conversation about, you know, we both grew up in the Avenist church mm-hmm. and the Avenist school system. and uh, But for both of us, we have a lot of memories growing up and just being at our father's churches and mm-hmm. hearing them speak and going to potluck and being the pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought it'd be kind of an interesting topic. Like, what was your experience, Anthony, growing up as a pastor's kid? Would you, would you look back and say it was overall positive or a mm. negative experience? Like, would you... Would you change that about yourself? Do you think you'd be you'd be better off if you weren't a pastor's kid? Wow, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, I think I look back and, oh man, I I think it was it was definitely overall positive. Um, I I I felt like I feel like I was sort of privileged with great parents, and so yeah. because of that, um, they just did a really good job of of not making it a thing. You know, like. Cause I meet a lot of other pastors kids and they, they felt a lot of expectation. They felt like they had to be perfect. They felt like a lot of eyes on them. And, um, and I never, I never had that feeling like my, my dad was always really, really, I don't ever remember feeling that pressure, especially from him, maybe from, uh, (laughs) some older members of the church at times. Like I remember one time I, uh, I was whistling in the basement of our church one time (laughs) And one of the elders, as, as all pastors kids do, exactly as, <laughs> as we all do. Thing. And one of the elders, uh, said, uh, he, he walks up to me and he just like, you know, leans down in my face with the, you know, the stereotypical crooked finger. And he's just like, no whistle in church. And, uh, I was just like, Oh, okay. I guess, I guess we don't whistle here. So I, I definitely got like messages and, um, 
you know, stuff like that from, from older, from, from members of the church, but never from my, my own parents. So for me, it was overall a positive experience. Uh, what about you, Sean? Yeah. I mean, I can mirror that, that sentiment. I think, um, you know, I never got any pressure from my parents. In fact, the opposite, you know, my, my dad would tell me, um, yeah, you don't have to become a pastor. In fact, it was, it was interesting. It would always be, it's always the old church members, right? Nothing against uh, old church members. They, they always mean well, right? Um, yeah. But I did have a few growing up that were uh, looking forward to when I would become a pastor. Ah, uh, yes. Like, oh, are you going to take over your dad's church? Or like, oh, when are you going to, you excited to become a pastor? It was like the assumption, almost like the assumption. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. remember word for word what it was, but that's that's in my memory banks. Like that's very clear in my mind. Like I remember those moments. Mm-hmm. Of the, like, you know, you're going to be a pastor or something like yeah. that. There definitely sounds is kind that. of crazy, but mm-hmm. um, I know. Did you ever get any comments like that or that kind of were similar to that? Yeah, definitely. You like there's definitely this sort of uh, monarchy sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people just assume. I mean, I, I chalk it up to like maybe like 50 percent of it is like you kind of do that with anyone's anyone in a career who has a a son or a daughter in that you know who has kids and you're like oh are you gonna fall in your parents footsteps so i get that you know yeah but it definitely feels like a lot when your parent is a pastor for sure like yeah there is sort of that interesting assumption uh yeah even if it's just everyone's just assuming because they're just trying to make conversation or whatever it definitely does kind of get in you like man people it's sort of a thing like people kind of are expecting that for some reason yeah 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 I mean, I think it uh it's just interesting for me like mm-hmm. it's just kind of interesting that I don't know. Okay, so I grew up with a grandfather being a pastor and oh, right. my like, father being a pastor. So that, so it's like mm-hmm. second generation what would you call that? Second generation pastor. You would have been the third. So yeah. So but anyways, like there was almost like that kind of mindset too like oh, it's been, you know, two generations of pastors and like mm-hmm. my Grandpa did, you know, different work, travel all around the country. And my dad did evangelism, worked on It Is Written with George Vandeman. What a legend. You know, like just all these things, you know. And, George Vandeman, that's I, a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like everywhere I've gone, um, someone's known someone from my family that was a pastor. Mm. You know, like my dad's cousin's a pastor. Um, and just other people in, in our family are pastors or mm-hmm. evangelists or do things like that. So there's a lot of Lenhoffs out there. Like, oh, I know a Lenhoff or I know your mm. grandpa or knew your dad when mm-hmm. he did this. And it was, I see that everywhere. Right. And, um, so there was kind of that mindset. And I, I, I remember growing up, I don't think it never, I don't think it ever negatively impacted me that, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up a pastor's kid, but as I say that I actually remember So there was one time, I'm not going to call anyone out here, but when I was in elementary school, yeah, there were three of us pastor's kids, um, actually four of us, but mm-hmm. the three boy pastor's kids, we were goofing off in the back during whatever, math class, social studies, I don't know what it was. Sean, was this you and, and No, no, no. This was oh, okay. in elementary. Cause oh, okay. We, uh, we didn't meet until Til freshman school. year of high school. Right, okay, okay. And uh, in elementary, this was later elementary. Okay, got it. And we were goofing off, and the teacher stopped class, <coughs> looked Ooh. at us three. Yikes. And said, now, I know you three pastor's kids mm-hmm. do not have straight A's right now, and that's a problem. Ooh. What are you doing right now? Publicly in front of the class, she said. Yeah, that. in front of the whole class, which, by the way, as a teacher, like, that's a no-no. Like, you right. don't... That's really inappropriate. Like, you don't... You totally don't do that. Super inappropriate. But I remember that 
that moment really well. Mm-hmm. Like it just uh, it's it's burned into my memory. It's seared. Like uh, like the other moments, but even like the I don't remember being negatively impacted by the church members saying, "Oh, like you're going to be a pastor," one like whatever. Like mm-hmm. you know, my parents always said, "No big deal." And it's interesting. Another teacher I had, his name uh, is Harold Richards. He's still a teacher mm-hmm. in uh, Washington State. His uh, he's obviously well known for his father and grandfather being HMS Richards mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and HMS Richards Jr. They're obviously really well known for the uh, voice of, voice of prophecy, mm-hmm. and so they're they're known worldwide. And he remembers growing up, and he always, he would talk about in class like he felt the pressure of you know being an HMS mm-hmm. right, like oh he's got to take up the mantle, like his he's got a avenous family name, right. Um, and he actually named his son Jonathan because he didn't want to put that pressure on his son. So like, mm. it's it's even though we kind of joke about the whole pastor's kid thing, like it's obvious that there's some pressure with it. Yeah. Uh, like it went to the point where he didn't even name his son, you know, continue that line because yeah. you know he didn't want that pressure on him. So, anyways, I thought it would be just something interesting to reflect on. Yeah. Um, I would say, except for that moment in school and maybe a couple times at church where I felt maybe a bit more pressure for who I was. Mm-hmm. Um. And I definitely was not the well-behaved PK. Like I got thrown out of <laughs> Sabbath school. Like I had a Sabbath school teacher that said, you know, you don't have to come back. Dang. Like that's pretty, you know, like I was, I was pretty annoying <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing penance for it now cause I teach junior high. So I get these <laughs> kids all the time. You get the most annoying kids in your class. And I know those most annoying kids will be the pastors someday. Right. It's all full, full the, circle. The church leaders. Yeah. Exactly. No, I really relate with that because I think it wasn't until later in life that I actually felt that pressure. Like when I went to college and started undergrad um, at Walla Walla University, there were professors there who had had my dad in class in undergrad. Oh, yeah. And so they, I did definitely feel like this comparison to him. Like they, they vividly remembered him and they, they would bring it up like in conversation. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I remember my dad had done poorly in this one class. And so a professor yeah. liter- literally said to me, I think you know about this, Sean. He literally said to me like, oh, are you going to fail this class like your dad? Yeah. And I, wow. was, like, I was like, wow, that's really, that's kind of inappropriate. Um, so I, I definitely, uh, I, I didn't feel it until later on in life when yeah. there started to be a little bit more expectation in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely get that. Um, that's, that's wild. I mean, just to, to feel that like comparison, mm-hmm. you know, like that's a lot to like, again, that's like a big teacher. No, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's just, that's just crazy. But, um, anyways, I sent you an article. We were kind of looking over this before we uh, started recording. Yes. And it's from the Barna group, Barna research group. Mm-hmm. And they actually did a whole, um, article titled the prodigal pastors, kids factor fiction. Mm-hmm. And it's basically just looking at like pastors. They interviewed a ton of pastors, uh, I'm assuming around the country, mm-hmm. just kind of reflecting on uh, if their children strayed from the church, if they left, if they felt too much pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like in general, like that, that tends to be the case. Um, as as I kind of read through it, it looks like um, about half or so, it says 40%, mm-hmm. uh, started doubting their faith. A third are no longer actively involved in church. Would you say that's your experience, Anthony? Like mm. it, it almost kind of was like you you knew who the other pastor's kids were. Like, yeah. You, like, I mean, I definitely know some that just straight up left. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely, that, that sounds pretty accurate. I feel like, um, yeah. but I mean, according to the article, it, it's not like it's, I mean, when they compare it to other numbers, it's not like it's a lot higher mm-hmm. for those that leave Christian faith or leave the church. 
Right. As opposed um, to if not... you didn't grow up as a pastor's kid, right? Right, right. And, and but they did go through, like, what are the main reasons why pastors right. think that, mm-hmm. um, that their children struggle with the development of their own faith? Mm. And kind of the list that goes through that is number one is unrealistic expectations others mm. place on them. Yeah. And it notice there it's not about the pastor placing those expectations, and we've kind of related to that as well. It's maybe right. others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had your college professor. I had, uh, you know, we both had church members, but also I had that teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, just the the statements they made. Um, so that was the number one by far. Mm-hmm. And then after that, exposure to the negative aspects of the church. Anthony, would you say that there were, like, just being so close to church, and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever went through the whole church politics thing, like if there was ever a split or a group of people left the church, or Mm. there was just, like, a negativity where, you know, it just was gross, right? But you see, like, the underbelly of the the church, because that's what your dad's involved in, you know? Oh, man, yeah, that's interesting. I feel like... I feel like... Um, it, it maybe wasn't until later on in life when I started to see that a little bit more. Yeah. And by that time, I think I had sort of developed my own faith. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I was able to be a little more resilient to it. Um, but I think, I think early on, like my dad did a good job of, of shielding me from that. Although, um, he was one to, uh, <laughs> to talk about church politics at home around the dinner yeah. table at times. So there, you know, there, there were things that, that, that I was aware of, um, that, that was going on at church. But I, I felt like by the time I started to sort of see, um, maybe some of the more, uh, unsavory, you know, things that sometimes Uh happen in church, church life. Um, I, I was old enough to say, oh, you know, that's, that's unhealthy, you know, but that's not a true representation of what actual Jesus community should be. Yeah. Uh, So, so I, I definitely saw it, but I think by the time I, I really started to see it a lot, I, I was able to differentiate in that yeah. way. What about you? Did yeah, you I mean, by the time, <laughs> like I like I said, by the time we were in um, college, I don't know. I mean, I definitely struggled or doubted with my faith. I mean, I think it went through, like, mm-hmm. uh, those who seriously doubted their faith. I mean, who didn't? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not doubt, challenge would be a word, but I, I definitely went through, especially in high school, mm-hmm. uh, just a period of really doubting my faith, um, just kind of in that super spiritual apathetic or just in life in general, like mm. the, the, the grind of high school early on, like freshman, sophomore year. Like I just remember, yeah, that being a, just yeah. in general, a rough time of life mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely think that some of these numbers here, like it definitely resonates with me yeah. in a certain way. Um, but like I said yeah. at the very beginning, like I said at the beginning, I wouldn't say that being mm-hmm. a pastor's kid negatively influenced me. Um, I would say there were stretches, like I just didn't want to be at church, but obviously you have to go. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> or I don't know, maybe there were certain times that there was a certain image that had to be portrayed, mm-hmm. I guess, or you, I felt like a pressure to act or say certain things yeah or I, look a certain way at church I, I was just recalling as you were talking um there was one area that i definitely did feel pressure in growing up and that was f- from my parents which was sort of like presentation yeah as a pastor's kid um like i remember my dad and i fought a long time about like yeah. dress and clothing and stuff yeah yeah, and yeah, yeah i was definitely a rebel in that way like i i definitely like I would intentionally not dress nice to church and uh, yeah. I would wear jeans when he wanted me to wear a suit and I would, 
I remember yeah. intentionally <clears throat> kind of going against, yeah. I think, how he... Because I, I think maybe there was... As much as you try and not... And, and I'm, you know, I'm not a parent, but I imagine yeah. as a parent, like, as much as you try and not <laughs> let your kids affect you, yeah. like, like they just do because they're part of you. So I can imagine, like, if, you have a, if you're the pastor and you have a kid who's, like insane or like you know yeah. wearing rags to church people are gonna are gonna be like yo what's going on <laughs> what's happening at home yeah. like what's the problem so so I, I get it now looking back as an adult but yeah. as a, i remember as a teenager like like sean knows this and uh some friends who you guys are listening you know that i went through like a, a real like emo kind of gothic kind of phase in my life uh so i was wearing like you know really tight pants before it was cool for guys to wear tight pants and yeah um you know like just like studded bracelets and all black and like so i'd show up to church like that and yeah <laughs> my dad would just look at me and sigh and like he was <laughs> he was never like angry or like yelled at me or, or you know pressure or whatever because we've always had a good relationship but i, I but def- he felt uncomfortable with it yeah like i definitely knew that he had an expectation and or he wanted me to pre- present in a certain way and i was going against that you know yeah so if you hear noises speaking of sons yeah i'm holding i am holding my son right now what a parent because he woke up early from his nap, and, and oh. now he's grabbing the audio cords. So if you hear things, uh, <laughs> Eric Eric will try to work magic to get rid of uh, all extra noise, but you'll probably hear a couple, a couple moments co- of coos, coos and calls. Yeah. And uh, he's, a, he's a teacher's kid. I, I need to talk with, because that's a whole other thing. That's interesting. Uh, like, I imagine, like, having him in my class, mm-hmm. it'll kind of be similar, I think. I mean, there's a certain expectation. Like, I have in my class, some teacher's kids. Hmm. And there definitely is certain expectations put on them. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, like, oh, you got to be the example. Right. Uh, like, you're at the school where, like, your parent works. Right. <laughs> and he literally just ripped out my, uh, my headphones. <laughs> nice. Anyways, I thought I would just mention that because I think that's definitely a factor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see him. so restless. He is. <laughs> Olin wants us to end. Yeah. He wants us to be done. He's got his own agenda. But... The one statistic that I'm interested in that I'm looking at yeah. is what pastors wish they'd done differently in raising their kids. Yeah. Um, and it says 42% of them wish they had spent more time with their children. And I Yeah, I did see that one. I wondered if you felt that growing up, Sean. Like, did you feel like you wish your dad had spent more time with you? Like, stuff like that? Honestly, for me, no. Like, obviously, I don't know if that's certain denominations or certain workload. I mean, I never, I never felt that way. I mean... Especially since my dad mainly worked on Sabbath, and so like no he'd other have days. church. He'd have, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but you know, like as a pastor, yeah. like there's church board meetings, there's other meetings and visitations mm-hmm. and other things like that, uh, hospital visits and and other things too. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, in in general, yeah, I got to spend time with him. I never felt like oh, I didn't get to spend enough time with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was never generally a an issue. Mm. But what about you? Like, do you feel like there was ever a season of your dad's life, like with his ministry, that he was just not around enough? Mm. Yeah, I actually, I I felt the same way as you. I I felt like my dad somehow did a really good job of, like, it was, family was always so important to him. You know, when we were growing yeah. up, that he he always did such a good job. And I I often describe my dad growing up as like the best dad anyone could ask for because he was yeah. uh, he's awesome. And you know my dad, and he's. Uh, He's just great, and I remember there. He he would find like weird little creative ways to spend time with us. Like I remember he'd come into my room at like twelve midnight after my mom was asleep and be like, "Son, I just made an apple pie," yeah. 
and we're, we're going to watch Mission Impossible. And I'm like, oh, I was like, you know, 13. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. So uh, that was, you know, the age uh, where you still think your parents are cool. So I was like, let's go. Yeah. Uh, so my dad would always do stuff like that. Like he'd take us yeah. to movies at night and um, just, yeah, he'd take us out and just hang out and talk. And he, he, he did a good job. So it, it's interesting to me. I feel like the things that we're saying um, as I interrupt my own thought process, but yeah. um, I feel like we're sort of the exception, it seems like, Sean, to a lot of these statistics. Um, and because I feel like a lot of these we've listened and we're like, well, we didn't really relate to that. We didn't really... Why do you think that is? Do you think our we just had fantastic parents somehow? Uh, we were just the you know the unicorns of the pastor's kid universe, or uh, like what what do you chalk that up to? Well, I mean, do you mean like staying involved in church or like being Christian or what? What part? Like just the negative having negative experiences, like not having yeah around? yeah like you know because it you know that's kind of what this article is discussing, right? The the stereotype is for a lot of pastors kids they did feel like there were so many, you know, expectations on them. They did feel like they saw the, you know, the evil underbelly. You know, I have a, a you know, a person that I, I work with right now who, her, one of her parents uh, was a teacher in the seminary uh, at Andrews. Uh -huh. And um, she she felt a lot of these ways I'm, from having conversations with her. Um, she, she sort of expressed to me that, you know, yeah. she felt a lot of these things. And as a result, she, you know, and it's more, you know, it's more complicated than that. There's layers to it. But as a result, she is, she no longer identifies as a, an Adventist or even a Christian at, at all. So and I think I, you yeah. mentioned too, like, like, and that's like you said, a, a teacher at seminary. And I think even like in that case too, like from, from my recollection, like, I think we've had a conversation about this, like, um, that individual's dad like is actually pretty well known actually yeah. pretty prominent in the Adventist church mm -hmm. and just to kind of think of like that pressure right yeah like, that's what you grew up with and and your dad was the one that was the face of what many articles or many sermons mm -hmm. or uh speaking engagements and that's just kind of interesting that that that's kind of the route it went down yeah yeah I'm, i guess i'm intrigued by you know what is it and i don't know if this article actually I haven't read all the way through it. I don't know if it actually gets to the core root, but I wonder what is the differentiating factor, you know, between pastors, kids who reject it, reject it all, you know, or the ones who, who decide to stay. And I mean, like us who we've made religion and church, literally our career and livelihood. Yeah. So, so, you know, we're the, we're the minority of the minority, not only those who stayed within religion, but also those like we've took on the mantle as well. You know, um, and and not without our like we mentioned before, without our t moments of of doubt and questioning, like like yeah. literally deep, deep, deep questioning, deep doubting, and at least I know for me and and for you too, like questions and and just trying to wrestle with faith. Um, it it hasn't been easy, but I, yeah, I wonder what is the differentiating thing like. Yeah, I mean, I would think it's a lot of it is transparency. Um, mm. like you said, we both grew up with like, you need to have a certain image in church mm -hmm. and I get, and like we both, we've both come to terms with it. We've made peace with that because we understand like how many moving pieces there are and like, mm -hmm. it's complicated, right? Like you don't want to be fake, but you also know that things can become stumbling blocks mm. when you're trying to put a certain image forward mm -hmm. and you do try to live the ideal, right? You're, you're not, you're not the ideal. If everyone knew, like if you went up at, to your pulpit and shared all your deepest, darkest sins. Like, yeah. is that really going to be the most loving or wholesome or least stumbling block like thing to do? Is it even for helpful? the people that, yeah. yeah, is it even helpful? Is it, is it 
something that will will lead others to Christ or help grow your church or keep the peace in your for your current congregation. So, like mm-hmm. I get that, right? You don't just you don't just leave it out there, you know, just in the open. So there's certain things that mm-hmm. you know you may be struggling with, but it's like, hey, this isn't the right time to do that or say that or if you if maybe even if you wear that certain thing like that could be taken a wrong way right and it's just trying to consider that and thinking you know what what should be done what shouldn't be done Hmm. um but yeah i I think it's a balance though yeah i I feel like i'm maybe as we start to wrap up i i feel like to drill down a bit if you could personally in your life i'm asking you because i haven't thought of my own if you could personally in your life sort of point to something that kept you in you know whether it was great parenting or like your your dad was really intentional or like struggle with your own faith or like if there was one thing or two things or you know what do you think those things would be that kept you from walking away from everything despite you know because we've mentioned we have we did feel the you did feel the pressure right from like teachers and people and I think we both did in different ways so what could you point to any one two you know a couple things that that kept you in. Yeah. I, I mean, I would definitely, um, not to criticize my church too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that most of my spirituality, my growth or my, my journey back to my own faith and making it personal mm-hmm. and making it my own thing instead of just my dad's faith and just an image you show at church. Right. Um, being at, being at a Christian school where there were specific friends that I got to know, including you, mm-hmm. uh, Jesse, Eric, those guys, um, that lasted throughout college that, um, where we started doing things with our faith, where we started having those conversations. We started a Bible study in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went on mission trips together. We had dorm room conversations. We had worships together. Good times. There, there were youth rallies and retreats and all those different things that we have memories together doing. And I would say that those experiences deepened my faith. It uh, surrounded me with a good friend group that was rooted in those things that mm. shared ideas or struggles that we all had. And we were like, wait, you did this too. Or like you had this problem too. And like, Oh yeah, I wasn't the only one. Right. And I'm not the only one that was doubting my faith or mm-hmm. that, that one question I don't want to ask my dad cause I'm too scared and Sean, remember, don't want to sound like an atheist. You remember that there was that one summer where we both came back and I was like, I think I'm an atheist. And you're like, yeah. I think I am too. Yeah. <laughs> and we're it was, like, a, it was oh, a dark moment. It yeah. was like, uh, and we, and then we, but then yeah, it was like, so there was so hopeful because we realized we're both, you know, going through we, the same, we, we were wrestling with it. And, and then we spent time fasting. Like we would go up into the mountains and, and hike and just fast and pray and worship. And those were good moments. And, uh, so moments like that where, uh, really testing our faith, really trying to, uh, experience our relationship with mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. uh, through Bible study, prayer, fasting, just conversations. And, uh, those things really kept me, I think in the church. Mm. Wow. Uh, and, and I think, um, yeah, I, I definitely, there was a time where I just, the last place I wanted to be was at the church Same. for a service. Like yeah. I just, it just felt gross. Like I didn't look forward to Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and it was just an unhealthy relationship with, with Sabbath and church for me. And again, it wasn't one person. I think it was part of my own spiritual journey. So not just pinning it on one person or mm-hmm. my family or anyone like that. I think it was just part of what I needed to go through, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm mm. thankful I don't have that image anymore. That's that I've been able to grow where I love church. I actually enjoy doing leadership positions in church, mm-hmm. which I do. And I joke around like I didn't become a pastor, but I'm a Bible teacher. So I yeah. fell far from the tree. <laughs> 
and uh, yeah, so nice. But yeah, I've I've come to uh, appreciate where I came from, my background, and everything. So, mm-hmm. and and I know it's kind of similar for you as well. Yeah, I it would be maybe similar to 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 what you said. Like somewhere along the way, I was privileged or or blessed, or maybe you could call it providential, or you know, just to meet you guys and and you know like to have a solid group of friends that I could journey with together where we could, it wasn't like we were isolated in our, yeah. our questions and stuff like that. And the fact that we could relate on so many levels, you know, you and me being pastors, kids and kind of having really similar experiences growing up in pretty uh, conservative, you know, traditional backgrounds, you know, like, yeah. and not to, you know, just blame our parents, you know, cause they're still trying to, they were working out. How do we, do Sabbath together as a family? How do you know? Yeah. So, so as a result of that, we experienced a lot of like, and I know I did a lot of like, my parents were trying to figure out like, what is okay to do on Sabbath? And I remember having a huge distaste in, for Sabbath. And yeah. it was just the thing I dreaded the most. Yeah. <laughs> and no video games. Exactly. No movies. Right. Exactly. So, but yeah, I think at a certain point, when my faith became my own, um, which which was not through my parents and was not through my dad, which which when I talk to him now about it, it's really interesting because um, it was actually through our high school dean uh, um, at Auburn Academy, yeah. uh, who like he sat me down and he he would do Bible studies with me and he he talked about the gospel and I was like wow I've never heard this in my whole life and when I told my dad yeah. he was just like son I've been I've been preaching about this for like you know your whole yeah. life and I'm like wow like. So I, sometimes you just need that person, right? That, right? that says it a certain way where it's like, oh, he mm-hmm. has been saying it, but I just wasn't listening. I didn't right. have ears to listen. Somehow you just couldn't couldn't hear it. Yeah. And and yeah. now having been a youth pastor for kids, now I experience the opposite. Yeah. Where like, you know, the, I'll be with the parents and the kids will be wanting to get baptized and they'll be like, you know, mom, like we've been learning about this in Bible study. And, uh, you know, they'll be like, we've been saying that at home this whole time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or they'll, they'll come to me and they'll be like, Pastor Anthony, we don't know what you said, but we've been saying the same things. And I'm like, yeah. I can't even take credit. Like sometimes you just yeah. need a different voice. Yeah. So yeah, I think when your faith becomes your own for, for me, at least as soon as that happened, I was like, I'm in like, yeah. So yeah, that's good. Well, as we, uh, yeah. as we close up, Anthony, um, thank you for having this conversation yeah. with me. I see your son uh, peeking out. Uh, I know he's, he's wanting me to be done, <laughs> That's important. but I would, I wanted to close with a question just kind of to anyone listening. Yeah. Uh, if you are a pastor's kid yeah. or if you grew up around them, surrounded by them, like what is your experience with that? Was it positive or negative? Would you say that this whole thing about there being a reputation of pastor's kids being rebellious or falling away from church? Like, is that, is that a valid stereotype? Is that your experience? Is it the opposite? Mm-hmm. Um, what, and, and if you're a pastor's kid, like what experiences can you share with us? Just, uh, just share those in the the comments, either on Instagram, yeah. Facebook. I'd be and, I'd uh, be really interested. Yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, we can we can throw a thing up on Instagram too. Like, yeah, I'd be interested for other pastors' kids. Yeah. Let us know what you think. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Seeking What They Sought. We uh, appreciate it as usual, and uh, we are so excited for what is to come for the rest of the season. We got so much on deck, and we're super stoked to share it with you guys. Um, before we wrap up here, I want to also thank um, our producer, Eric Edstrom, for all the work that he's done. And if you didn't know, Eric is also the winner of the uh, I Chugged 50 Gallons of Lemonade Award 
which is uh, an award given in the middle of Wisconsin uh, once every 100 years. So uh, he is the recipient of that. If you want to know more, you can ask him about it. And uh, as usual, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Seeking What They Saw. Thank you.